Uh, hello everybody. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant. And I'm Russ Frostick. Welcome to the Resties, where we celebrate the best of the rest just in time for a Christ mess. No, no. We're yeah, not no, it's, doing it's this. like last week. I did Festivus. I know, it was terrible because... last week, and it's even worse this week. Even worse? We're not doing a rhyming with, I don't even, what are you trying to rhyme Christmas with? <laughs> I don't know if you could hear it on the audio. My chair literally just groaned at at my own joke, and I don't know how a chair does that. It was awful. Yeah, that is uh, that is an evocative uh, chair. I'm impressed. Okay, for 2022, this is kind of one of those um, like you know, uh, New Year's goals. I'm gonna have something great, like a real barn burner. Let's move away from the rhyming. I think rhyming is bad. That it does seem a little easy. It, well, not only well, clearly not that easy. <laughs> okay, we spent way too much time uh, worrying about this. I apologize, dear listener. We do have an exciting episode for you today. Uh, we're going to be talking about solar ash. And uh, hey, I had not really heard of this game. I knew of the game, but I didn't recognize the title because I'm not in love with the title. Turns out, game pretty good. Uh, and then we'll be talking about our competing predictions for the game awards when you hear this episode the game awards will have happened when we record this episode uh, right now they have not happened so fresh and i are going to compete with predictions and by the time you get to listen to this you will know who of us is the winner yes i'm excited that's that's it. As always, we'll talk about, you know, other stuff that we've been playing or watching or anything uh, with our recommendations of the week. But first, Solar Ash. I am going to try to summarize this concisely. It's a new game from Heart Machine, uh, the developer that did Hyperlight Drifter, which we've talked about on the Besties before. It's published by Annapurna Interactive. And I mentioned the publisher because this is the one that does a lot of the big indie games, uh, like Outer Wilds and Kentucky Route Zero and What Remains of Edith Finch. They have a pretty good batting average. Yeah, it feels like th- it's them doing like maybe the more expensive indie lot, and then you've got uh, Devolver sort of doing the smaller but also equally great indie titles. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Devolver to me feels like kind of like the New York indie film community. And uh, Annapurna feels like the L.A. indie game. Ooh, community. very You know, niche. like just in terms of their style. Sure, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, anyway, Sol- Solar Ash. Uh, it is an open-ish world platforming game in which you enter a black hole to try to save your planet from annihilation. That's the best I can tell about the story. We'll talk yeah, about that later. And it, I would say the gameplay itself is like Shadow of the Colossus meets kind of Dreamcast- era sonic the hedgehog and jet set radio with a little bit of gravity rush i agree with that as well cool well then let's take a quick break now that we've got all of that downloaded into people's brains and we'll talk about solar ash just in a moment okay so solar ash i i'm really curious what you think about this first rush because uh, I mentioned the Sega Dreamcast games up top. I think my opinion will be pretty obvious, but I don't really know where you'll fall on this sort of game. Yeah, okay. So um, my initial reaction was positive because A, I like the art style that they go with. The game uses this like uh, kind of low poly, relatively simple 
but still gorgeous uh, aesthetic. Like just the vibe of it is it's, it's very pretty to look at. Um, but what really jumped out to me was just like moving around the world feels amazing. You are a uh, effectively like an astronaut, but you've got skates. You've got like rollerblades on at all times. And if you hold down the left trigger, you can just rollerblade wherever you want, which feels like really, really good. Um, and I think for games like this, it's easy to diminish how hard it is to make moving around the world feel fun, even if you're doing just boring stuff, like just going in a straight line or going over a simple jump. And this game does a very, very good job of making even the boring stuff feel fun and like you're in control. So my immediate reaction was awesome, great. Um, I did, you kind of alluded to it in the intro, I did get a little bogged down in the narrative stuff because it got a little hard to follow. I think you boiled down all that is required from the basic story, which is you're in a black hole. It's going to suck up your planet. You got to save it. So I got that part. It does do a lot more than that, which is where it started losing me. But I don't know if you felt differently on that on that side. Yeah. I, so I haven't finished the game. So maybe it like kind of pulls it together in the final act, which can happen with lots of games. Yeah, I haven't I haven't finished it either. Yeah, but I don't know what's I don't know what the point is or even I I don't ever feel confident in what I'm like seeing or reading if that makes sense. So like you the the game is broken up into these um open worlds. So it's not just one big open world. It's like you know little chunks of It's kind of world. like Zelda like if like Ocarina of Time, like Zelda games in the way that they handle open worlds cuz it's like hub and spoke. Yeah, yeah, sure. Or even like Super Mario 64, but bigger open world spaces. Yeah. Um, so when I write, when I've gone to, I guess I've be, completed three of them, I will find other characters in these worlds. And it seems like there's like remains of planets or societies that this black hole has already consumed that aren't the one that I am coming from, that I'm trying to save. Yeah. I think. And. That's a really cool premise. I, I like this idea of, you know, you gradually seeing what, how different people tried to solve for this problem. And I like there's one society that I came across that it looked like they had like never even conceptualized weapons. Um, so in a last ditch effort, they were having to convert like their gardening tools and like cooking utensils into weapons in an effort to like fight for survival yeah and that stuff i like it's just so unclear i don't know a better way of putting it it's so fantastical almost that i i never felt like i could fully buy into it because i i quite literally didn't know if i was understanding what it was trying to communicate to me well, so there's a few things. I, you know, I think I was following the like survival, like the surviving civilization part pretty well. I do get lost when we're talking about like made up uh, pronouns for like technology and stuff like that. Whatever the objects are that are like the, I don't even remember one of the names of the things, but they, you know, in the way that Star Wars makes up names for stuff, there's a yeah. lot of that in this. And honestly, it felt like... I a part of me wanted it to be quieter in insofar as like I just love the the look and I understood the basic like goal that I was trying to accomplish. And every time that like 
a bunch of dialogue or like even there's dialogue trees in the game. A bunch of dialogue was like flashing in front of me. I kind of wanted it to just like go away so I could go back to the core gameplay, which I really enjoyed. Um, and, you know, I, I, you're you're for, you're a little further than I am. Um, I'll say this. I was loving the core gameplay. It did. I did get the sense that it was a little one note. I'm curious if you've found that as well. So, yeah, it's it is kind of repetitive, but I really enjoyed that. So the the story for me is it's not even the weakest part. It's just the part that I didn't click with as much. Yeah. You know, it's, I can't. I don't really want to say it's bad because I I just think it's just not my style. The actual loop of of each stage, the way it works is you enter a new big open world, and they are they are truly fantastical they're like dream like um you know rolling hills of kind of blue orbs that are the size of like small buildings almost you remember what dreams may come that robin williams movie yes it looks nothing like (laughs) (laughs) but i do remember it um yeah it 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 has like a, a just a very um I don't know. There, there are cityscapes in it. There are pieces of what you would recognize as like a civilization, but there are also things that are just large pieces of geometry um, that you are skating about. Um, and anyway, the, going through those places and finding these uh, red gooey eyes that I have to poke with needles. <laughs> um, you know, that part is really fun and doing that unlocks whatever the final boss fight is. So again, like it's now, you know, tour the open world, find a handful of these things, pop them um, while fighting off like, you know, filler enemies. And then you get the boss fight and the boss fight is clearly the, like the piece de resistance yeah. of, uh, of this, of the game. And that's where the shadow of the Colossus comparison kind of comes in. Yeah. Just before we get to that, I, I want to talk about the, the needle thing real quick there just to like explain it. If, Cause it's very hard to grok. It kind of reminds me of like in Tony Hawk where you'd have like a quote, a line where you'd follow the line to like, I'm going to do this trick and then this trick and then this trick. And so you have like a limited amount of time to jump from one checkpoint, if you will, to another but they're scattered all over the map. So it'll be like, okay, you've gotten this one and now you have to grind over these two rails and jump over this gap to get to the next one in time. And then you, you know, you're racing to the next one after that. And that mechanic, not only does that play into how you unlock the boss fights, but is, is clutch to the boss fights themselves, which is kind of why I was saying it was felt a little one note. I enjoyed that note. It was cool. uh, And I felt really good when I was doing it. But it did feel like I maybe needed a little more variety to like keep my interest long term. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It, at least for me, it doesn't feel like the kind of Nintendo model of teach you the thing and then yeah. keep layering onto it. It feels like teach you the thing, and that thing is really fun to do. So we're going to keep giving you opportunities to do variations of that thing. Yeah, in different environments with like slightly different. Like the second boss that you face is a lot more interesting than the first one. Uh, which is like a relatively straightforward path that you take. Um, but yeah, we should we should delve into the boss fights themselves because that is, I think, certainly the most spectacular and it's where all the elements kind of come together. Yeah, so uh, just to kind of uh, go back to the, the needle thing one more time. Think of it uh, also like almost slalom skiing. These needles, one appears, you chop it, 
and then the next one appears, you know, 20 feet away. And then yeah. you have to go and chop it. The the one other thing to add here is you have a grappling hook that you can use on certain needles. So some of these you have to run to them and then hack I think at you them. Can do it. I think you can do it on all of them, but I, there's a cooldown on it. I mm, Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. Um, whatever the case, uh, in the boss fights, did you get to the flying boss fight? Uh, I think so. So one of in them the is city. Like, it's like a snake, yeah, and it's covered in this like white, almost ceramic armor. And yeah, I fought two bosses. The second boss that I fought, I mean, they were both kind of similar, but the second boss was definitely more involved than the first. Yeah, and and in the second one, it's it is. I mean, it's humongous. Yeah. Um, and it, it is f- flying kind of through the city, and you will um grapple hook onto it. And once you, you know, swat that first needle effectively, it sends you from tail to head, uh, you know, breaking more and more needles. And while this is happening, the 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 creature is like flipping. So it's like back becomes its belly and its belly becomes its back. Um, and it feels really cool. It feels like uh, something that would be in like an Uncharted game would be, you know, kind of that pre-rendered... Yeah. Um, pre-planned it happens the same way every time cut sequence when in reality here it is just happening inside of the game as part of anything else and i think that 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 mechanism of you know forcing you to go from point a to point b to point c to point d allows them to kind of script what is happening even though you actually have full control and at any point you know you could hop off the ride and the game wouldn't like break out of the cutscene right. or something yeah, I think it's very smart and it's visually just super stunning and you feel very cool when when it all comes together, uh, which again, hard thing to do, especially during boss fights, which are particularly difficult. Um, but yeah, I was incredibly satisfied whenever those sort of went the way I wanted them to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've talked about this probably every episode since we started with this idea of like, what are weed games? Um but I think this definitely falls into that weed game camp of you it is the opposite of of basically all trends in video games right now. The the predominant trend in video games is grinding up power and levels yeah. and unlocks. And that the longer you play, the more skills and abilities you have, yada yada yada. And this game is not that. It is we have a, a really fun experience for you and we're just going to let you keep uh, doing it for what seems like a healthy amount of time. Again, barring any last minute changes, I will say there's also collectible armor that you can get and there is ways to kind of grind your health in this. That is the least interesting part of it for me yeah. because the last thing I want to do um, when uh, playing a game where the fun is zipping around is stop uh, and look for armor things uh, and try to figure out, you know, what I'm missing. That is not super fun. And it seems like a mistake that games like Sonic and other, you know, speed first games uh, tend to make. Yeah, it seems like something that uh, there are these basically like pods that are scattered across the map. And the first pod you more or less run into, you know, without trying. And then as you get deeper into the game, They'll be like, okay, there are five pods in this giant open area. You have no, like, I won't tell you where they are. Good luck. And I found one of them randomly. I was proud of myself. Yeah, some of them require, like, really elaborate um, platforming things. 
And that seems cool. But then there was another one that I found that was just hiding behind a large building. Yeah, it it, it seems like something that just didn't fit with the rest of it. And, and it's funny you mentioned the, the shield thing in, in the context of like the power curve of video games these days. Because it seemed like every time you beat a boss, they take your shield away. <laughs> like yeah. if you spent resources to like increase your shield above it, above the first level, which is like otherwise you're like a one hit dead situation. So if you spend resources like, oh, I want more hits than that, they'll just take those away. So you'll just sort of feel like you wasted the time getting those resources. So I think it's only one shield per boss. So they don't take everything away if you got more than that. It's just like, why think, would, why even take anything away? Like, what does that accomplish? Yeah. Doesn't it make any sense to me. It, it definitely clashes with the rest of the vibe of the game for me. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I think like vibe wise and just like the minute to minute feels great. Super fun. Uh, love the visuals. I just, there are a couple choices that I like don't totally agree with, but that's cool. I mean, I, you know, everyone has different tastes. It's fine. Um, I dug it overall though. Um, it doesn't feel like a game that is going to be like keeping my attention for dozens of hours, but that's fine. Like I, I love five hour games. That's great. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I think like what you mentioned of it has choices that I don't necessarily agree with. Something I like about Heart Machine with both this game and, um, and Hyperlight Drifter is they don't feel like audience tested within an inch of their life. Yeah. Like I, I there, I did not get into hyperlight drifter. Just, it did not click with me. And in the opposite way of this, this really, really resonates with me. But in both cases, there are choices where they could have easily gone a slightly different direction and made a more um, accessible and probably popular game, but they committed to what they liked about what they were creating. And I respect it. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. it's 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 so unusual to see that um, it's hard not to respect it. I, I wanted to mention one thing in a review that I saw for this game from uh, Christian Donlin, who's just this brilliant critic uh, over at Eurogamer. And he pointed out how you can kind of read this game as about being about a body and like sickness. Um, and he starts with that, the, just the needles themselves, which do look like medical syringes. Sure. Um, but that once you kind of pull away from that, it start the world itself starts to look like the inside of a body that there's like that there are organs and, you know, like cells and firing off synapses. And I don't know, like, I don't know what it's trying to say. And maybe this is a thing that I will get at as I progress through the game, but that like any great piece of criticism, it, it helped me enjoy the game more just to like have something else to look for and to kind of like think about why I'm playing it. Um, and I wanted to plant it in our listeners' brains. And also just go read that review. Like I said, it's on Eurogamer for Solar Ash. Um, I think it's a great piece to to check out ahead of playing this game if you're thinking about giving it a try. Yeah, it kind of makes me, again, to go back to something I mentioned earlier, wish that they they spoke a little less in the game and I could fill in the blanks more. Yeah. You know, I th I actually think there were members of the Journey team or at least one member of the Journey team that worked on this. I know uh, definitely from Pathless, uh, there was like some crossover there and they're all similar games. Journey is one of my favorite games of all time. Journey, in case you haven't, 
played it, um, has no dialogue, no text at all. Um, it's really just like very simple visuals and a story of like a creature that's trying to get to the top of a mountain for some purpose. And you kind of infer the purpose through, you know, oh, that kind of looks like a gravestone or, oh, you know, there's other souls around, whatever. But it never is very explicit as to what you're doing. And there is a part of me that kind of wishes that this game would have gone a little more in that direction. But again, maybe maybe towards the end, it all kind of justifies itself and comes together. Yeah, so. I also just kind of have the feeling that there will be people who play this game who feel the complete opposite of us in terms sure. of the story. You know, sometimes, I mean, oftentimes you play a video game and uh, the story is not for you and it just feels like the story is bad or weak or or just never came together and that's not quite the case here it, it's a weird it's just a, it, it's just a like like we said it really feels like they they made a choice with it yeah um so yeah i'm, I'm definitely i'm definitely gonna play it to the end I, I i'm very curious to see where it goes and like you said it's not that long and i love i love a short video game Okay. The Game Awards. Are you ready for this? Yes. Okay. So, the Game Awards have already happened. You already know that it takes two, one game of the year. <laughs> is, that, is that what's going to happen? I don't know. So, I, I trimmed down a list of all of the uh, award categories. And... Uh, Fresh and I are going to make our predictions for what we think will win. We are not making our case for what we think should win. Oh, we're not? No, I don't think so. And my reason for that is we're going to be doing the Besties Besties episode. That's true. Right. The next episode you hear after this episode of the Resties will be part one of our Game of the Year Besties Spectacular. So I think this is more of like a kind of meta conversation of like, what was the general mood around video games this year? Okay. Using this as a kickoff point, and thus we can compete by guessing where we think the industry, you know, at this level, you know, the People's Choice Awards type of award, yeah, is going. Okay, so we're gonna start with best esports coach of the year, right? So I've cut a <laughs> number of categories like that, I, mobile games. I cut anything where I was like, we are not the people to talk about this. The category has been cut. Uh, also, you know, just for brevity, there are like a trillion things nominated uh, for for different awards at this show. Um, so I'm I'm trying to keep it short. I probably should have done this in opposite order. I realize I started with the biggest awards. Yeah, I'm just gonna start at the bottom and go up. Oh, okay. Oh, that sounds good. Let's do that. Um, <laughs> best community support. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, that is one of the categories, though. Yes. We're, um, okay. Now. First category. Kind of a silly one, but it's cool. I get it. Most anticipated game. Polygon the, doesn't even vote on this category. Polygon is an official voting member of the Game Awards. We do not vote on this category because it is a marketing category. You but know, people get excited. So people get excited. The, here are the nominees for most anticipated game. Elden Ring, God of War, Ragnarok, Horizon Forbidden West, the sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, because it doesn't have a name yet. And Starfield. In, in the sequel to Breath of the Wild, I think won last year. Did it? And I'm pretty sure it did. Okay. <laughs> um, 
I am going to say Elden Ring. Interesting. I would say Breath of the Wild, but it's possible that um, that it'll be uh, Elden Ring. I, I can see Elden Ring winning. I think I, Breath I of the Wild like is the best shot. You know, Jeff might just, you know, somebody might slip and fall with their thumb <laughs> on the scale. And oh, they're, yeah. they're not going to let it be Breath of the Wild too many times in a row. That's true. You know? And I, I would say like Elden Ring or God of War, but Elden Ring, it's, you know, it's available. It's the only game on this list Multiplat. that is multi-platform. Yeah. Because yeah. Starfield is only Xbox. Yeah. And wow. won't be out for another three years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're, we're, I mean, most of this. Yeah. I, I will be pleased if we get to play two of these games next year. Um, okay. The, after this one, we have Best Debut Indie. And the nominees are The Artful Escape, which you liked. Yeah. I did the like for- that game. The Forgotten City, which we both liked. Yes. Kenna Bridge of Spirits, which we didn't really talk about on the show. It's kind of an indie, a very glossy indie platformer. We talked, I think, a little bit. We talked about it maybe with Kirk or someone. Oh, oh, I I would hate to have to listen to that episode. (laughs) Listen to a brilliant person talk about video games. Uh, Sable, uh, which I think we've only briefly mentioned. It is the exploratory open world game. And Valheim, which we talked about at the beginning of the year. I think we promised a full episode on it that we never did. We never did it because the logistics of getting us all into a multiplayer game at the same time proved (laughs) too difficult. And I feel like by the time we got around to it, uh, the, the world had moved on and we had other games to talk about. So we've all played it, but yeah. Um, okay, what do I, I'll go first this time, because you went first last time. What do I think is going to win debut indie? I'm going to say, I'm going to say probably Valheim will win. Yeah, I'm, I am saying the exact same game. Yeah, I think just, it's just like the, it was by far the biggest success story from a indie standpoint. I do not necessarily personally think that it is the best debut indie but if we're talking the the nominees that are here, yeah, I think it's going to be Valheim. Yeah, I think of the of the games listed here, I would also say I think it's the best option. Yeah, um, I think there's some great stuff here. I just think Valheim is kind of Valheim is very special. It's it is really yeah. quite an amazing game. I, I think Forgotten City would be the other big case to be made, but Forgotten City it's so tricky, right? Because it is a debut indie. But it is a remake of the studio's own other game. It's like a very, it's like an actual game. The mod was yeah, pretty yeah, cobbled yeah. together. I would say that's true. That's true. It it it, it deserves to be here. I'm, yes. not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not undercutting it. Okay. Next category: best role playing. Wow. My immediate thought. <laughs> my immediate thought when I look at this list of nominees is: Did we not have five role playing games come oh out this year? Oh my god. Because number one on the nominees list is good old cyberpunk. 2077. I, okay. We're not gonna, I don't know. We won't judge too hard. We've done that a lot on Cyberpunk. It's not the most shocking nomination that we're gonna talk about. Um, um, Somehow. I I truly do not know how, but somehow this is true. Wow. So Cyberpunk 2077, Monster Hunter Rise. Wouldn't really call it a role-playing game, but that's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Scarlet Nexus, Shin Megami Tensei 5. Yep. Tales of Arise. Well, I know we. you don't even need to speak and I know what you would pick. So, because uh, we've already spent like six episodes talking about Tales of Rise, but... Uh, I, I'm actually confused. How many people were able to play Shin Megami Tensei V before this voting period? 
they might have got it. Sometimes they do send out early uh, to voting people. Yeah, maybe. they send out early code. Um, yeah, this is a really tough category. I, I, I feel I, like they're only true. Uh, I could see Scarlet Nexus. You know what? I could see Scarlet Nexus taking it. I think okay. there's a lot of love for that game. I am going to say Monster Hunter Rise because Monster Hunter really went mainstream with the world, but Monster Hunter Rise with Switch, Switch being I love Monster the Hunter Rise. So you don't need to convince me. I just yeah, don't no, think I, it's a role playing game. Oh, well, I agree, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077 is on this list. Like, since has gone out the window. Yeah. I, I, for I, I do think of what are like the best games on this list. I, I don't know. Shime, I was going to say Shin Megami Tensei Five and Tales of Arise feel like the kind of categorical winners, but Monster Hunter Rise is also just a fantastic game. There's really no bad games on this list outside of the first one. They're right. all bangers. No, that's true. I, yeah, I mean, we we I don't think any of us were, were able to latch on to Shin Megami, Megami Tensei Five, but like nothing. I I totally acknowledge that it is a great game for the people that love that oh, game yeah. and that series. So also. I, Wild, the the studio that put out Tales of Arise and Scarlet Nexus in the same year, that like development group got both of those games out is just bonkers to me. Yeah, that's that is, that that is, is a hell of a year. Um, okay, best action adventure, not to be confused with best action game. Yeah, um, genres are fun, y'all. Yeah, they do okay, actually so- have. I'll, I'll say this just to like peek behind the curtain a little bit when you're voting in this. They do define all the genres to sort of help you define like what this means, the like difference between an action adventure versus an action game. My general rule of thumb is usually it's like third person platformers are action adventure games or like even Gears, I think, is an action adventure game. And then um, first person shooters Ah, are action see. games, but we have Resident Evil Village, yeah, which... You're, you're wrong, my friend. The, the difference, I believe, for the Game Awards is does it have puzzles in it? Or is it platforming? Like, platforming or puzzles, I think is what makes it action-adventure. So yeah. Resident Evil Village, because it has, like... Returnal definitely puzzles. has puzzles in it, for for what it's worth. I... That's an action game. But we're, we're, not get, <laughs> we're getting ahead of ourselves. I, okay. Anyway, the list for best action-adventure. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy... Yep. Metroid Dread, Psychonauts 2, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Resident Evil Village. Okay. A good category. A lot, of, a lot of great games in this category. I'm very, actually very impressed. I think, here, here's what I think. I think if Metroid Dread wins this category, it's more or less going to sweep any other categories that it's in. But I could say the same thing about another game, which I think is going to do better than people might think, and that is Psychonauts 2. A lot of people love Psychonauts 2, especially like the older generation of gamers. Who might have the vote access. Who might have the vote, who might be more represented in vote. I don't know what the makeup of the Game Awards voting group is. It could be younger. But generally speaking, for all game all award shows, mm. it's usually like established people that have been working in the industry for a while. And so eh, I'm gonna say winner of this category, Psychonauts 2. Boom. I I think that's an interesting choice. I think that it's some great, great logic. 
The only pickle is the same type of person who is an old person who votes would also vote for Metroid Dread or Resident Evil Village. There are some, and maybe Ratchet and Clank. There are some real oldie uh, facing games here. I, I think Resident Evil Village should win this category. Oh, we are now talking about what? No, should win? I'm just saying. I think it, <laughs> I I shouldn't do that. I think I'm it's bit, fine for the genres. For the genres, well, yeah. We can do that I I I think like it. It to me, it's just a fantastic game. That game has only grown on me since since we played it at the beginning of the year. I do think there is a bias against older stuff um, when these things happen because recency bias is real. Yeah. Um, and Metroid Dread came out at the exact perfect time for this vote. Yeah. The perfect time for this vote. So I am putting my name there. Okay. Okay. Best action game. This one's weird. Back for Blood, Chivalry 2, Deathloop. Far Cry 6, Returnal. I'm just putting my name on Deathloop here. I don't think this category makes any sense. Um, So I'm just getting it out of the way. I mean, these are like... I guess you fight a lot. That's the category of this game. It's a lot of (laughs) shooting. That's that's what's here. Um, I'm going to rule out some stuff. I think Far Cry 6, not a chance. Um, Just like critically pretty well hand um back for blood i feel like had a moment and then didn't um returnal i love returnal but kind of like very divisive in terms of a game like a lot of people bounced off just because it was very hard i'm gonna say yeah i think it's Deathloop. i think Deathloop yeah. takes chivalry it. tool we have not talked about chivalry 2 on the podcast much it's cool as hell yeah that's a dope game we we should talk about it more at some point um if you are curious about chivalry 2 you should watch pat gill made a video for polygon's youtube channel about the joy of playing a multiplayer game where there's like no pressure basically because chivalry 2 is just what would you call it like a medieval chaos simulator yeah, I mean, you basically—it's just like a PvP game, but you just instead of being like super strategic, you just like wail at people with giant swords and hammers and shit, and, and yell at them, and yell at them. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there might be strategy and stuff, but the most fun you can have is like not caring and just like running in and and just wreaking havoc on everything. It's, it's pretty wild. Really fun. It's also just a good video to stream. Um, yeah. Okay, best indie. Here is the, the, my brain is melting. Yeah, this was, I I saw it and I agree with you. This was the most shocking inclusion in the bunch. 12 minutes is the first nominee. 12 minutes is, I think, becoming, I don't know how to describe its reputation. How would you describe it? Just a quick refresher. 12 minutes was the top-down narrative game starring Willem Dafoe and what's his name? Professor Xavier, that guy. And another actor. <laughs> yeah, um, correct. And it was put out by Annapurna. And it was like, you have to decide what to do in these 12 minutes. And if you, you don't, it just like keeps looping back. And you keep dying. And, and it's incredibly violent. It hinges on like some domestic violence and yeah. some other very... And a pretty disturbing, not cool ending that it, it isn't really earned. And yeah. Yeah, so I don't know how this got here. It does feel like a game that 10 years ago, 
people in video games may have been like, wow, I mean, it doesn't make any sense and it's heinous, but it, it goes somewhere. Yeah, so it like, feels like an early David Cage game is what it feels yeah, like. Yeah, so anyway, no. I, I It's not, I not winning, although the rest of this category is pretty strong. True. So after that is Death's Door, which yes. is the kind of Dark Souls-ish isometric view where you're a crow and you fight stuff yep it's great it's great great game um you should if you have not listened to our episode on that you should because i think we all love that game after that is ken and bridges of spirits which we talked about then inscription which we really need to do a spoiler episode on maybe early 2022 yeah maybe because i know people have strong feelings about uh where that game goes it rules and uh last but not least loop hero which we probably haven't talked about in since we did that episode yeah Yeah. a long time ago which can you describe what that one was loop hero is like a card based oh god i don't it's really hard to summarize that game it's card based you've got like this big map in front of you you're placing cards on the map to sort of populate enemies that your little character fights as he loops around this 2d map and how you place the card sort of determines the enemies you fight and the power-ups you get and it's sort of like a power curve from there. Uh, wild game, really unlike any other game I've ever played. Super cool. Um, so what's what's your pick? I think Inscription is going to win. Yeah, I agree. Inscription feels like it just is having a moment. I mean, um, rightfully, it is yeah. pretty spectacular. I, it, it'll definitely have a big weight on our game of the year discussion. Yeah. To everybody so. uh, who has replied to our Twitter about how much you've loved that game after we've mentioned it, uh, I'm I'm so glad. It has been really fun watching people uh, decide that they love the game within the first couple of hours and then have a variety of feelings as the game goes forward. Uh, yeah, what, what a game. Um, okay, best ongoing game. Uh, this is like games that just keep getting updated. Uh, so Apex Legends, Final Fantasy XIV Online, Fortnite, Genshin Impact, Call of Duty Warzone. Okay. I think the only one it can't be would be my, I think in terms of just pure quality is Warzone. Because yeah, I feel like Warzone is only now getting its big update. Well, but consider that Fortnite, which just got a big update a minute ago, when mm-hmm. people were voting for this, would not have, true, 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 would true. have been at yeah. the end. Although they have been doing this long, drawn-out cube battle thing for a while. Um, if I had to, I, I would narrow it down. Mm, maybe it is Fortnite. Mm, Genshin, that's yeah, a tough category. Um, and then there's Final Fantasy fourteen, which I know Griffin loves. I'm, I putting, think, I'm putting my chips behind Final Fantasy fourteen. Yeah, the only reason I'm thinking that maybe not is because that update hadn't, it had been a while since that update, you know, the update just came out, I think this week for that. Yeah. So again, the voting had already happened. I'm going to say Genshin. That's okay. what I'm going to, I'm going to go with Genshin Impact. I'm putting it behind Final Fantasy 14, even though it had not gotten the big update when people voted, only because of that whole moment this year where people jumped off World of Warcraft and hopped onto 14. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people were discovering it for the first time even though the game itself had not gotten as significant updates this yeah. year. Um, okay, next up, best score and music. Okay, weird, uh, slightly weird category as well, um, because when I think score, I usually think like 
actual like soundtrack of the, you know, the like composed original music. But Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy is in this category, which has a great soundtrack, don't get me wrong, but it's licensed music, which seems like cheating. (laughs) Yeah, well, this is where all those categories that seem silly at the Oscars, like, you know, sound editing versus sound mixing versus sound moving i don't know what they're all (laughs) called they start to actually make sense because if this was about how it's all blended together guardians would probably be the winner for me just in personal taste because it's it's an achievement of how it blends together the game's actual score with all that licensed music um but in terms of original creation i mean the near replicant score is perfect it's perfect artful escape also has an amazing soundtrack i just don't think it has the visibility to necessarily elevate itself um death loop i'm gonna say death loop takes this category i am gonna say that you have a good chance of being right i'm gonna say guardians of the galaxy because i think (laughs) People will be like, I don't know, I like the rock of music. Yeah, I think you're, you're probably and, right. Um, <laughs> and that will probably win. I do think the New Replicant soundtrack is is the best on here. And I feel comfortable saying that because we're not going to talk about soundtracks that, that much. is true. So, fine. Um, okay, uh, moving along. We only have three categories left. We're oh, getting into on. the biggies now. Here we go. Best narrative. <laughs> Honestly, this is the most frustrating one for me. Deathloop? which has an ending that I feel strongly about. It Takes Two, which has an ending I feel very strongly <laughs> about. Life is Strange, True Colors, which is fantastic. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, very well written. Great writing. Psychonauts 2, which, I mean, they know, they know how to write some story there. Yeah. Um, I think... I think the winner here will be Psychonauts 2. I will say this, and I've said this before... Psychonauts 2, narratively speaking, I think starts glacially slow and then gets very, very interesting about halfway through into the end of the game is great. But I think it's glacially slow as a start, whereas Guardians of the Galaxy starts very, very strong very early on and more or less maintains that. I think it has issues with its combat and gameplay but the narrative is pretty peerless when it comes to like these sorts of games. Um, so I think it's it's a more uh, flawless endeavor. Not to say that anything is flawless, but I think they did a better job there. Uh, do we, uh, you know, neither of those games, I think, had the attention that games like Deathloop did. And I know that there is this like very dedicated following for It Takes Two, which I don't really get, but it's okay. I don't. I've actually come to understand this because we do have a lot of people who, who like this game, who listen to the show, and I, I really wanted to like understand what people like, and what I, I I don't know if this is the case for everybody, but people that I've talked to about it have given two uh, scenarios that are nothing like what we experienced. One, it was a really popular streamer game, and oh. a lot of people liked watching it on streams and didn't even know that like what the story was yeah that it makes was just a lot of really sense really fun as a reaction game which yeah. i think that's like totally fair yeah and i think there's also a contingency of people who don't have many games to play on the couch with family or friends and 
this, you know, was like a glass of water on a hot day and it like met that need. I I have not seen a lot of people who who just raved about the the story. Yeah. Um that said, the creator of It Takes Two has had a very warm relationship with the game hordes in the past. Um and I, I would assume by proxy that means people have voted for his stuff. Uh so I think it has a very good chance. I cannot bring myself to even even put my name down by it as what I think will win. I just I just can't. Yeah, I don't want to like I, I think don't it's safe to future. say it is one of the worst stories about a divorce or pending divorce ever? that I've ever experienced myself. It, it it winning which it probably will will be like Crash winning at the Oscars for me. Crash Bandicoot Crash Bandicoot, yeah. When when Crash <laughs> stormed the stage, and they were like, "Wait, what? I thought La La Land won." And Crash Bandicoot was like, "Whatever Crash Bandicoot says." Um, no, I'm gonna put my name on Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that it, the writing in that is was just show so surprisingly good compared to what people's expectations were, and the way that that team that had worked on Deus Ex blended in comedy and the lore and they, they effectively made a more compelling guardians of the galaxy story than the films. Yep. I think that's it. If again, if we're talking about like, what do I think is the best thing on here? A game that we haven't talked about really on the show. Life is strange. True colors is the game that I would say should win. And the game that I would say for listeners, if this is a category that really clicks with you, if you really like storytelling games, if you like games that don't require like knowing how to use every button all at once, like, you know, a battlefield 2042 or three or whatever it is. Uh, Life is strange. True colors is right up your alley. Um, Okay. Final two. We got it. We can make it to the end. Best game direction. What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) That's a great question. I mean, that, that this is the problem that happens with the, the Academy Awards, right? We're like, what's the difference between best director and best picture? Sure. Right. So yeah. if a director has full control over every decision that happens, why is there a best picture? It's because the producers should get an award too. Um, yeah. For games, it's even murkier because there is just no way that you can have a single person making every single major decision on a game. Yeah, this this category straight up doesn't make any sense. Unless it's like a one-person game like Stardew Valley. Well, so actually, before I share this, I'm going to share the list of things that got the Game of the Year nomination. Okay. And then I'm going to share the Best Direction nominations. So, Game of the Year is... I had a little burp there. I don't know if you could hear it. You probably want to cut that from I audio. will cut it right out. <laughs> Maybe. Um, okay, so Game of the Year is Deathloop, It Takes Two, Metroid Dread, Psychonauts 2, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Resident Evil Village. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So that's a lot of a lot of stuff. Best game direction is Deathloop, It Takes Two, Returnal, Psychonauts 2, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. So the difference here is direction does not have Metroid Dread or Resident Evil Village, but it does add Returnal. That's really Why? weird. I it, it makes no sense to me. And it makes even less sense because if you were going to say, oh, from the Game of the Year games, what are the ones that I would nominate for Best Direction? Metroid Dread and Resident Evil Village would be on the top of that list. Because those are the games where 
I feel like there's a real sense of pace. Um, and I, I don't feel that with the other game. Can I galaxy brain this for a second? Yeah. Uh, I think there is a, there is an element to this and, and certainly you and I can speak to this of Japanese developers, not giving access to, for interviews and stuff like that. Like the number of interviews Mm. that we did for Metroid or resident evil, basically very minimal, if any, um, Obviously, Metroid Dread was developed by a Spanish studio um, in Mercury Steam, based in Spain. So slightly different, but still Nintendo is very controlling when it comes to access. It kind of feels like game direction is a little tilted towards places where we could actually like really call out the, I don't know, they put the game yeah, yeah. Dire- directors more front and center. Yeah, the, the, they're out there actually talking about how the game got made. That, I mean, this does feel guess. very close to a list of games that have auteurs behind them. With yes. like Arcane, Joseph Ferris and It Takes Two, Returnal being a small studio. Tim Schafer for Tim Psychonauts. Schaefer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Woof. Yeah. I mean... I mean, I, it's, I, mean I, I would even just... I don't even know, man. Uh, I'm going to say, if we consider it as like an auteur game... It's going to be, I'm going to say Psychonauts 2. Psychonauts 2. Okay. But I do have a second in mind, so we'll see if that's <sighs> your second. I mean, my second is, I think it's It Takes 2. Yeah, that was my second. I, 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 I do think. People I, I just think... want Joseph Ferris on the stage, probably because they think there's a chance he'll dump on Activision while he's up there. Also, this game made a fortune. Yeah. Like, it did so well um, that I... I, I, like you said, there's a lot of love out there for this game. Yeah. Um, okay. That brings us to the final category game of the year. Again, Deathloop, It Takes Two, Metroid Dread, Psychonauts 2, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Resident Evil Village. What is the game that the Game Awards voting jury will award game of the year 2021? Okay. I think there's a few we can rule out. Mm hmm. I think Resident Evil Village, no, because recency bias, I agree with you. I think we I think can... Ratchet and Clank for the same reason. Yeah, I was going to say Ratchet and Clank, same reason. Um, so that leaves us with Deathloop. It takes two Metroid Dread Psychonauts. The question on Deathloop is, again, when the voting would have happened, I think was probably a month after Deathloop came out, at which point a little bit the bloom was off the rose on Deathloop. A yeah. little bit. So I'm going to rule that as well, rule that out as well. God, there's no way that it takes two wins the whole thing. There's no way. So I think it comes down to Metroid Dread and Psychonauts 2. And I said this earlier. I said, if, if one of these starts winning any of these subcategories, I think it goes all the way. And it's also, again, an old people voting award show, at least to some extent. But they're two old people games. Uh, I think Dread, because it's got the recency bias tilt, came okay. out, as you said, right at the exact same time, at the right time for this game to come <sighs> That's See, I want to agree with you there. But I want to keep the spicy, too. You know? Like, yeah. I, want, I want there to be some, some heat on it. I feel like us having the same Game of the Year nominee, we can't allow that, right? Like that... You can pick something else. I'm 
I th- I think you're M- probably. You remember right. Moon Baboon? You could do that. Oh, Moon Baboon! <laughs> I forgot about Moon Baboon. The the, the the best part of it takes two. Outside of when your your two uh your husband and wife deliberately murder a toy that begs for its life in order to make their daughter cry on purpose. <laughs> what a wild game! Um, I'm I'm gonna say that it's Resident Evil Village, and I agree. There's no way it's going to be this. There's there's no way. Yeah, here's what I'll say. The chance that it has is because it was on every platform. Yes. I think and the only other game... It's great. Is it the only multi-platform game in this? It takes two, I think. Was that on PlayStation? I I think so. I think you're right. That um, does ring a bell. But yeah, I, I, think, I think that's right. I think you're right about Deathloop kind of souring a little by this point. I think of its recent... People go Metroid Dread, and then if it's not, I I think people go Resident Evil Village. If it's older voting, they go Psychonauts 2, and if we have a moment of pure chaos, it will be It Takes Two. Um, I feel like It Takes Two winning would almost be... I don't want to take anything away from it, because I think it could legitimately win, but I think the people who are really suspect of the Game Awards would kind of have... A grump session yeah. because it does seem like Jeff Keeley, the host, and the creator of It Takes Two are like very buddy buddy down to the point where like a moment from a previous game awards is in It Takes Two. Um, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's marketing. Not, yep. Um, so I will say yeah. this though: I actually like the game awards as a product. Like. No joke. I I think it's a very entertaining thing, and it makes me happy to know that we have at least something to sort of bring everyone together on that front. Not to like, I'm genuinely not a, I'm a cynic about award shows in general, but not about just the idea of like having an event that is, you know, it's been a couple years since like E3 has mattered. So having everyone sort of kind of back together again is is nice to me. I I agree. Also, I, I think Jeff does a good job for what this thing is. It's like it is it, an endeavor. Like people like dunking on Jeff a lot, and like no, no, nobody's perfect. But it, the, I I don't know. I've seen what like worse versions of this look like, um, and it it could be so much worse. And it really has gotten better year to year. Yeah, like the early video game awards were rough, like really really rough. And I I went to some of them in person, and they were really uncomfortable. And it does feel like each year we get a little closer to uh, not. I don't think it's ever going to be the Oscars, but towards I don't know. The Oscars are flawed too. So like, who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and hey, uh, dear listeners, I'm going to the Game Awards, uh, so I will bring back some stories of what what it is like actually at the show this year. Love it. Yeah, yeah. I get I get to see. uh, ninety seconds to Mars. I don't know. Somebody, somebody's there. Imagine dragons. Are they called ninety seconds to Mars? Thirty seconds to Mars. Thirty seconds to Mars. There Come we on. Go. Well, I figured it was gonna go there and back and there again. The Joker. <laughs> That's his band, right? We've really hit the hour mark. You can yes. start to feel it, can't you? We, we can. We definitely can. Let's wrap it up. Oh, wait. We've um, got like what else we're we enjoying. I didn't do anything this week. I've got a fucking baby. <laughs> what did you do? You didn't do anything? Come on. You, you, you surely like listen to podcasts, maybe watch a little bit of TV. 
I mean, I listened to an episode of This American Life where a woman cut the head off a chicken. Oh my gosh. So that was something. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. Oh, no, that is not recommended. Um, I mean, I wasn't recommending it. You put me, fine, you put my feet to the fine. fire and that's what came up. Here's here's what I recommend. Uh, Paul Verhoeven has a new movie out called Benedetta. And I went You and said saw you were going to not bring snobby stuff. I guess this Paul Verhoeven's sort of in the middle. Paul Verhoeven is not snobby. He made Robocop, Showgirls, and Starship Troopers. That's true. That's true. But and, but they all have a depth to them. No, what you're saying is he made a, I, I, the movie I saw had subtitles. And I really? said it with a, a, actually a bad accent. I think I missaid Benedetta. <laughs> anyway, it is a movie about nuns who uh, commit sacrilegious sexual acts with each other. Whoa. And it That's is wild. Uh, Jesus is in the movie. Um, he's presented as a Paul Verhoeven action hero. If you are sensitive to these things, which would be very understandable um, because they could rightly go against your faith, don't watch the movie. Yeah. Please don't. I don't think you'll like it. Um, if you are somebody I, like me who uh, raised in a Catholic household, uh, raised to question uh, everything and look for, uh, I don't know, not the literary aspects of faith, but to, to find interesting parallels. This movie it does some things with um, theology that I think are, are pretty neat. That's a, that's a simple way of saying it. They're neat. And I think you might like it. Uh, also, if you like Paul Verhoeven movies. But wow. it. Um, I don't know if it's living in Orange County, people are just more sensitive. Or if it's just that I keep choosing really difficult movies. But once again, multiple people walked out of this movie while I was at it. Yeah, this the Orange, is like the Orange third County, time in a row. I feel like is not necessarily the... You know, people, it doesn't scream to me as friendly to art house. Well, no, but there are art houses. I just, I, we have to remember, uh, three of these movies have been this, the the three hour movie about like the history of uh, war and cinema in Japan. And then like, I guess it was a while ago, but uh, Possession, which like, I can't even like talk about without feeling like I've committed a crime. Yeah. So it might um, be. Actually, it occurs to me, I do have a recommendation. This is not coming from me, but from my son. Have you ever had a blanket hanging above your face that wiggles around left and right? Because holy cow, wiggly blanket. Highly recommended, but only if you're a baby. <laughs> perfect, perfect, perfect. So to recap what we've talked about, we talked about uh, Solar Ash. Uh, that was like the main game of the show. We also mentioned uh, Hyperlight Drifter, the other game from uh, developer Heart Machine. And then we talked about like every game nominated at the Game Awards. List so them. rather, no, we're not no going. I won't. <laughs> Instead of doing that, I will say that you should watch, uh, watch, you should read a recap of the Game Awards, which have already happened, and you should let us know who won. Um, I'm sure that if I win, I will brag about it immediately. And if I lose, you won't see it mentioned anywhere. Uh, and I'll leave that up to you. And, oh yeah, and when, and I recommended the movie Benedetta, and you recommended a wiggly blanket in front of your face. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, oh yeah, we should fun. tell people what's going on uh, next episode. What's going on next episode? We are not going to have one for a little while. 
Oh yeah, you're right. Because it, we're taking the next uh, episode off because of the holidays. Yeah, I am not entirely sure when the next resties will happen, but it will be sometime in early January. So yeah, I think that's right. So I mean, we talked about like this being like a thing for this season, and we weren't sure what we we're gonna do. And Fresh and I, we think we're gonna try to do more. But you should let us know like if you're enjoying this, um, because. Yeah, that's that's that is why we do it. I mean, I also like talking to you. That doesn't hurt. Oh, you you are you know what you are my wiggly blanket in front of my face. <laughs> Love it. That's that's what I strive for. Okay, that's it. Uh, that's it for the resties. And this is where I would say like our tagline: "Welcome to the resties," where we ce- oh wait, and that's it from the resties, where we celebrate the best of the rest. And I'm not gonna rhyme it. I'm just saying that's it. We celebrate the best. Of the rest, I like of that. Everything that you like, I think. I, I know. Just you're putting. Oh, no, just, just say best of the rest. We celebrate the best of the rest. I like that. The Facebook. What? Anyway, that's it. We'll see you next time. Bye.